HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and this is Heritage Radio Network, uh, brought to you today by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods reminds you that every bite has a story, so whether it's a tomato, a muffin, or a T-bone steak, your conscious food choices can change the planet. Because at Whole Foods Market, every single purchase you make helps us support things like animal welfare, organic agriculture, equitable trade, and energy offsets. Let's think before we eat. Let's retake our plates. Check out WholeFoods.com. Um, one of those things you can see on the shelves at Whole Foods is a jar of artisanal, locally uh, crafted kimchi. Um, it's a freezing, blustering day outside right now, and I could really go for a piping hot, spicy kimchi stew right about now. Um, maybe our guest today can share some tips on that. She is Lauren Chun, the founder, chef, proprietor um, of Mama. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Mother-in-law's kimchi. Not to be confused with Momo's kimchi. Um, Kadeem, if you're out there, we still love you. We're friends. You're friends? Yeah. Okay, no kimchi rivalry hey, here. No, okay, no. good. Okay. Uh, Kadeem was a hoot. We had him on the show quite a while back. Um, mm. And he waxed all things poetic about kimchi and oh. spicy food. Nice. Yeah. So um, you've been up and running for a couple of years now? No, no, just just about a year now. Just one year. Yeah. So you're a real freshman. I, huh? I am. Uh, but uh, it's been, what an amazing year it's been. Terrific. Yeah, you're on the cooking channel. I saw that episode. Right. That was uh, playing all summer long. So all of a sudden, <laughs> sort of the wrong weather to be getting all these nappage cabbage orders. And I'm like trying to make sure that I can uh, send it all over the country without it exploding. Oh. That was quite a challenge. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Figuring out the mail order right. side of it. Right. Wow. Um, so what else has changed? So you make, do you make a, other than Napa cabbage, any other varieties right now? Uh, we have Napa cabbage and uh, a daikon radish. Perfect. Yeah, Yum. so the two kinds. They're the two most sort of um, standard um, kimchi that you'll find in any Korean meal. Yeah. Um, I love those crunchy, soaked, uh, what's it called, daikon radish, like chunks. Right, right. Those and, are great. And they're so great to snack on and... 
they're they're so good for you too. I mean, radish and and uh, radishes and cabbage just really don't have the greatest reputation when it comes to vegetables. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that's making a comeback. There's a revival going on, and especially when it's fermented, right? Because they create these nice uh, bacteria. <laughs> right. They're 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 one of the cruciferous vegetables mm-hmm. um, that that can be fermented, and you know it's really. It's so interesting. I mean, I never really thought about the impact of starting a business like this was going to have, you know. Um, but it's uh, it's so much about um, about old traditions uh, throughout the world uh, that have all preserved uh, these uh, hardy vegetables for the through the winter months because you just basically you know agrarian uh, every custom every country and I, I think it's just fascinating. Right. The amount of pickling, and, and especially I've, I've met a lot of people, especially from um, Eastern Europe tradition, that really yeah. enjoy the cabbage. and Slaw, the, col- or right. sauerkraut. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Korea is a pretty cold climate, so kimchi is eaten, made year-round. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's been so interesting because um, there there is a whole seasonality to kimchi, and I know, you know, a lot of people just come up to me and say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just take the kimchi. And they think of kimchi as being one thing. But mm-hmm. the term itself is just or almost like saying, you know, it's it's a pickled vegetable. It applies to anything that's sort of pickled. Uh, the Korean tradition uh, happens to be that it's uh, it's most famous for its spicy um, dishes and so forth. But, you know, there's there's many um, dishes that also, that are also don't have um, chili peppers and there was up up to about like 80 different kinds at one point there's kimchi with that that's not spicy oh yeah 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 that's no fun (laughs) well you you don't think so but actually it was really i should have uh yeah we just showed a a white kimchi i was participating all season at the new new amsterdam market and so showing the seasonal um, vegetables and one of the most famous uh, winter kimchi is is a white cabbage kimchi with this which is made without any chili peppers and actually the use of chili peppers um, wasn't really um, introduced in korea until probably the spice trade like went through yeah because they're from north america right right so yeah i mean indigenously they didn't really exist um so for you know hundreds of years before that um you had basically pickling pickles. yeah just pickles without any chili peppers or what have you cool so would you say you stick your recipe pretty much sticks with uh tradition yeah i mean it was really important for me um to really show uh, a very traditional um product because you know, there is there's been kimchi on the market for a really long time. Um, I think within a, a sort of a health benefit and natural health food stores, yeah. and then you know you also then have kimchi that's readily available in in the Korean supermarkets and what have you. But I really wanted to to share this sort of really authentic, quality um, driven um, product that really was very representative of of an authentic product. Great, yeah. and it is when I when I tasted your kimchi, I think it was at Pig Island first, um, and you're putting them on crackers with with a foie gras or pate or something, right. oh, terrine, terrine, yeah. yeah, yeah, wow, what a good combination that was, right? Um, but they they were really nice. They were very um, uh, briny and um, had that you know fizzy kind of tang to it, right? 
and and that's sometimes the, you get kimchi that's like uh you know not pickled enough right right but i mean that's also the the the, the beautiful thing about kimchi is that it's constantly changing it's an ever-changing oh, live product yeah. so when people sort of comment well it tastes different i mean than the last time or this i mean there is so much variation in, in the way and the recipe even though yeah they're basic ingredients and the way it um, it's crafted, but it's also just because the product is, is live and it's fermenting, it, it it's constantly changing. So, right. the, you know, I always tell people when you buy it, well, you know, it's going to change in another three days and it's going to change again, you know, in a, in a week or two. And, and you know, the, the most common question being, well, how long does it last and how long can I eat it for? And, and you know, I always say, well, it's really it doesn't have an expiration date. It's kind of like, you know, fine cheese. It gets oozy and, and better and and funkier as it ages. But uh, what's been most surprising is, you know, I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to do these types of kimchi and cheese tasting or kimchi and wine. beer tasting mm-hmm. or wine to really try and sh- uh, explain the depth of my product. And because there's such an educational component to it. Um, and I will bring out uh, kimchi that's, you know, five months old or something. And there'll inevitably be uh, people, diehard kimchi people that would just mm-hmm. really say, oh, I really like this one. It's so complex. And it really, you know, has a, it kind of takes on the secondary, third different kind of flavor dimensions. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, to me, it's very um, similar in the way that, you know, somebody would appreciate wine or cheese or something like that. You really appreciate the nuances of of a changing live food. That's fun. I'm going to try, I'm going to get a bottle and keep it forever and (laughs) see what happens. Bury it in your backyard. (laughs) Time capsule. No, it used to be buried, right, in a big, not buried, but like stored in these ginormous, uh, Barrels, yeah, earthen, mm-hmm. earthen okay. kind of clay pots, you know. And to me, they're just similar to like you know Greek amphoras or what have you, like any ancient culture that also dug things up and put it in some place that's going to be temperate, and so you can ensure that things don't freeze. Mm-hmm. But it was a natural sort of way to insulate, you know, your food or your wine or whatever you were pickling. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, can I try making kimchi at home? I think. You can. Yeah? Yeah. Is that how you kind of started out? So you were always making kimchi and decided to take it to the next level? or No, I, w- this... I was not making kimchi at all. Oh, <laughs> was... <laughs> Your mother-in-law was? <laughs> no, and I don't have a mother-in-law. So <laughs> there you have it. Um, but I was more actually interested in, um, in the food and wine world uh, of the Western tradition. And um, my mother has a Korean restaurant in Southern California that she's had for 20 years. Um, But sort of, you know, growing up with the restaurant, I never really paid that much attention to it. And Mm -hmm. I was much more interested in French food or Italian wines or Italian food Mm -hmm. and, you know, backpacking through Europe, the whole thing, and fell in love with everything that was like non-Korean food. (laughs) you know what's what would be what could possibly be interesting about korean food you know it's like uh, so it was just um and then you know i worked you know at a french restaurant i worked in wine magazine i worked in the and traveling all through europe and and then it's just kind of i came full circle sort of accidentally um so i've been living in new york city for 10 years and i'm originally from la from southern california and so every time i would go home my mom would pack up this 
my favorite kimchi, you know, from the restaurant. And I thought, oh, this is really, really special. And I, you know, didn't even bother trying to look for another kimchi, you know, mm-hmm. um, here. And I would share it with friends. And my friends were just like, wow, this is really good. Like, well, I've never tasted anything like this. And, you know, all of this was going on for years. Uh, mm-hmm. And I didn't really think about it. And then, you know, I had the light bulb moment uh, yeah about, I guess, about a year and a half ago and said, you know, I got to kind of give this a shot and see what happens. Um, And so it was really uh, something that I didn't really plan on, but I found so much um, in common with my love of wine or or, you know, these kind of uh, gourmet foods. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's a it's a, like a, it's a handcrafted product. It's very unique sitting in the shelves of Whole Foods uh, because so much of our food industry and, and, and the foods that we know are pasteurized, they're dead, they're, you know, mass produced. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's a very unique product. Um, so that's been a really interesting journey for me. Cool. And so then also just come, do. yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's just also just, you know, coming back and being, so this is the most Korean, you know, food yeah. item that I could have picked, you know, and just, is it like the ketchup ironic. of Korea? It's just everywhere, right? You yeah. have it with every meal, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's funny was I used to think, God, you know, eating all that spicy food and kimchi growing up, I'm sure it probably did damage to my <laughs> palate and my sensibilities <laughs> or what have you. And I, I used to worry about that at some point really? in my life. Yeah. No. Well, but just, you know, just that, you know, all these strong flavors and, you know, and everything else is so delicate. But um, well, I, sh- I don't believe that's true at all, though. Yeah, maybe it sharpened it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know? maybe probably the opposite. So Yeah, in a good way. There's people who have never tried kimchi um, or, you know, a lot of these intri- like very intricate uh, layers of flavor. Because I know there's a lot of stuff in the, in the kimchi itself, too. There's like oysters you put in there, too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's such a, a variance in terms of if you go from this village, you know, They'll make wine with, you know, X, Y, and Z grapes. And, you know, it's it's like it's like every village or every town or every region has its own influence of okay. how they make, you know, pasta or kimchi or anything. And, and I, call, I call my kimchi Basque kimchi because it's sort of no holds barred, sort of mixes everything in there. Cool. So. Yeah, it seems like making the best or making the most flavor out of the most uh, humblest and fewest ingredients right. possible. Right. It's, I, I can get behind that philosophy. Um, so, Lauren, you picked a song that you really liked uh, from Arcade Fire's new album. Is that sure, something yeah. you like to jam yeah. to? Yeah, well, I mean, that was, yeah, my last favorite uh, concert, so I thought that was appropriate. Mine, too. Well, we'll be right back.
we're back on Let's Eat In. And today uh, we're chatting with Lauren Chun. She's the founder of my mother's, uh, mother-in-law, I can't get this name right. <laughs> Mother-in-law's Kimchi. Um, it's a great artisanal kimchi brand, which you can find at Whole Foods and a bunch of other places. Uh, local stores in Brooklyn might include... Um, Marlowe and Daughters. Marlowe and Daughters. Yeah, I saw it there. Yeah. Depanier. Depanier, okay. Yeah. At Green um, Creek Provisions, maybe? I know. Brooklyn Kitchen. Kitchen, okay. Terrific. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, Choice Green. We can't leave out the Fort Greeners. Oh, okay. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one, Fort Green. Um, but you can also mail order it anywhere you are. Right. Right. So do you think it's a good time of year for making it now that cabbage is really fresh and crisp? Right. And it's just also the right flavors, um, mm-hmm. this type of uh, kimchi. And it's just, it's so sort of has such a huge personality you know because you're really putting in the chili peppers and the garlic and the it's just so Mm -hmm. pungent it's so strong and it's it was amazing to me how going through the through the season and 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 trying the different seasonal kimchis how how much of the flavors that our body craves is Mm -hmm. is so seasonal it's so based on the temperature totally yeah i need it right now (laughs) it really like warms you up and then exactly the the kimchi stew it's like there's nothing more satisfying than that in a really cold snowy night so how would you make your do you make this from time to time a kimchi stew with like pork or yeah yeah okay so i just take a big cut of pork and kind of yeah i mean you don't you don't even really need to if you don't have to throw in you know beef but i mean it's just so hearty and satisfying in itself mm-hmm. um you know throwing in some tofu okay um but the critical thing is to make sure that you really saute it in olive oil i found oh. out that that it really does a nice trick because oh. the cabbage itself is just um and and you want to kind of use cabbage that's not so fresh i mean like you said like yeah. the indestructible cabbage you the kimchi you've had in your fridge for four months whatever okay. a year it totally doesn't matter um and i and i think that it, it's more interesting as you use the aged fermented cabbage yeah so, so i saute the cat the kimchi in olive oil first. right right i really think that that really that. adds a lot of just oh i was gonna just pop it and, right in okay yeah but i think just sort of like the way that you would braise meat or something like kind of ideas to kind of braise and saute the the cabbage mm. and then throw in your water and stock and whatever anything. but yeah i love that because you can really add kimchi to anything like uh top a burger with it or um there's construction going on on the roof oh. uh, <laughs> oh, by the way <laughs> building another green roof um maybe they'll grow some cabbages soon um <laughs> but i was what was I going to say? Oh, my friend Joanne Kim t- tipped me off to throwing, um, you know, together just like a kimchi omelet. And I mm-hmm. do that all the time now. Just kimchi and eggs. Um, sometimes a little fresh spinach for color and right, freshness. Right. But yeah. anything It goes. just seems to go really well with any type of protein-based thing yeah. you're eating. Although, of course, all the vegetarians are like, well, like, Ooh. what do you, you know, put it I with? I can make but... a kimchi vegetarian soup or stew, right? Yeah. That'd be del- yeah. that'd be good because yeah. it'll add some more depth to it. Right, a boring soup. Right, um, beans, mm, tofu. What was I um, thinking? Grilled cheese. It's really good. Oh, that's, that's yeah. Good. So Anne Saxelby and I did a a grilled cheese sandwich mm-hmm. um, back. Ironically, we did it like 
you know, when it was so hot out, <laughs> it was like in June and like, and everybody and was they so melted hot on and, the street. Yeah, I was like <laughs> on the grill and it was at New Amsterdam, but people that have had it, they still talk about it. Yeah, I mean, cheese is such a natural match and there's something really that parallels with, with probably the fattiness of, of cheese and then also just the fact that it's a fermented food. Um, okay. There's something about that fermentation. Those bacteria are like all kind of hanging out and happy in your mouth. Yeah. You know. And the, the cheese will cut the spiciness too a little bit. Yeah. 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 So you're a cheese sort of expert too, right? Um. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I love cheese. I okay. love eating it. But <laughs> What do you think is the best kind to pair with, with kimchi or your favorite, maybe. Well, I mean, it, you don't need anything really, um, you know, fancy because it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, because you want it to sort of balance kind of it. meld and balance it out. I think the cow milk cheeses worked better with the Napa cabbage, and then the daikon took on a really cool thing. Maybe it has to do with the because uh, the daikon has a little bit more acidity and and the density of the vegetable. But having that with, like, a goat cheese was really interesting, mm. like a fresh goat cheese. Yeah, I once made a goat cheese and kimchi frittata. It was amazing. Yeah. Like a chef. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like soft, like... Right, right. I think a nice ricotta would go nice and, right, right. like, a I spread. That, yeah, like mm-hmm. Salvatore ricottas or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> what else can you cook with kimchi or something that you like to do? Um, I mean, the soup is a, is a real no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But I think just kind of sautéing kimchi or making, you know, throwing in with kimchi rice. Uh, but, you know, obviously topping it is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I Stir-fry maybe with like rice. Right, right. Yeah, that sounds good. Have you ever... Okay, so I, I when we had Kadeem on the show, we had this kind of face-off between... I had uh, Lena from Anarchy in a Jar here, a jam company. Yeah, so we're, like, fighting, which is, you know, the more sexy, date-worthy flavor, spicier, sweet. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know. We kind of, I don't know, came to a, (laughs) I don't know, tie. (laughs) I know, right? That's why you have spicy and sweet. Yeah, spicy (laughs) and sweet. And they ended up actually making a kimchi and jam concoction of some sort at an event soon afterwards oh, that's so together cool. yeah it was really neat yeah um do you have any favorite like romantic date meals made with kimchi that you would recommend oh wow that's tough yeah. <laughs> i don't know that i've made a because like you're like kimchi. everything has kimchi so whatever it could be <laughs> or every korean meal that is yeah, I mean <clears throat> i think kimchi would be kind of you know if you're making yeah like a little steak steak uh you know oh. potatoes and you know i mean sauteing kimchi is 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 a really nice sort okay. of combination of this I mean, is it's like a me, sort of so a side dish good. yeah yeah uh, something about kind of you know pan searing the, the cabbage it imparts just a like a kind of a smoky flavor right and that's why kimchi fried rice is so good too okay and kimchi and butter I was, um, it's also just really, yeah. So not olive oil, just use butter and kimchi. It's, uh-huh. it's just divine. That sounds great. Yeah. Yum. Okay. Here's my next question. Uh, would you, what would be your dream ultimate, uh, date meal, romantic meal? It doesn't have to do with kimchi. Just oh. taking a poll. <laughs> oh, my probably, yeah. Um, uh, romantic date meal might be a, a rack of lamb. <laughs> nice. 
I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Give me some meat. Yeah, it usually revolves around meat. I've, I've, yeah, I've, 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 I was I was definitely in a period where every time I went on a date, like, the, or the one person I was on a date with would say, uh, "Let me guess what you're gonna pick on the menu? Something meaty, right?" <laughs> <laughs> they could just smell it right. out. <laughs> and that's like a really gamey meat too. That's like a no wimps meat. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It says a lot, I think, about, you know, a person and their preferences. And, you know, when you're meeting for the first time or having a date for the first time. Yeah. I think it's neat to explore. Yeah. I was definitely not not the not the woman who was ordering the salad. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love your kimchi. I, you know, who knows, maybe like a lamb dish with with some kimchi. Is there is there much lamb cooking in um, Korean cuisine? Oddly enough, no. Um, And I think it's partly probably just more influence. If you go a little bit northern, like the northern part of of Korea, so the very southern part probably where it borders um, China, they have more lamb-influenced dishes, Mm -hmm. and that probably just has to do with the the trade um, and the spice and the just... Am I making sense here? But the influence that mm-hmm. they had with Middle Eastern food, because yeah. that being part of the continent. But somehow it kind of just stops right in Korea. Yeah. And and my mom still doesn't like lamb. I mean, she thinks it's too strong of a flavor. It's just, but... Uh, my mom doesn't really like it that much either. Right. And my Chinese uncle doesn't like it at all. Right. So it's, it's just very weird to them. Right. right. And I'm like, what's weird <laughs> So maybe that's it? your inclination towards like anything not Korean. Right. <laughs> Still, I'm just a big fan of the the Basque uh, idea of you know where all borders meet and you you have a whole fusion cuisine of that's the, what what the most interesting things are, uh, are to me whether it's wine or you know food mm-hmm. and I love that part of Spain and and France where it's like the Basque region and you have like the influence of of the sea and the land and the um, yeah, yeah, I just think it's really. Um, so when you said your your kimchi is sort of like a Basque style, you meant you meant it was sort of just sort of a product of its environment and right, indigenous right agriculture stuffs right. Just like yeah, in Portugal too, I love how they you know take seafood and um, and pork and just you know and they just sort of like things that you normally wouldn't think would go together. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the first time that I had something Portuguese or just, you know, putting, maybe it was bacon. It was like putting <laughs> bacon and everything. Like, Yeah. That sounds about that, right. That, that sounds dogs. really yummy. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe uh, the way things are turning, your your Basque style kimchi will be more like a New York style kimchi. Cause, right. Because we're doing a lot more local. Right. So thank you so much for bringing it to to us in such a, such a beautiful uh, form. And uh, I, I can't wait to cook more with it soon. Great. And if you do have a recipe for just making the kimchi itself, I might have to seal that sometime, too. Okay. That's well, good stuff. We'll have to talk that one out. Okay. <laughs> I know. That'll be a long process. Okay. <laughs> Another show. But thanks so much, Lauren. Thank you. Um, check out Miss, uh, Mrs. What was I saying? My mother-in-law's <laughs> kimchi. Um, dot com and Whole Foods. I'd like to thank our sponsors. I'd like to thank everyone at Heritage Radio Network. We'll see you next week. Thanks.